Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, and your smart speakers. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Which current franchise is the most disrespected in sports? Is it the Miami Heat, who Jay has been sleeping on? Just disrespecting Jimmy Butler and Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra. How dare you, Jay? I've been on them the whole time. What are you talking about? Since day one of this preseason, <laughs> I was saying, watch the Heat. And that's the first thing that came out of my mouth. We didn't talk about LeBron James or nope. the Lakers. We didn't talk about the Brooklyn Nets. I started right off with some angry comments towards the Miami Heat. And meeting after meeting on this show, saying, we should be talking about the Heat. I got outvoted. What could I do? <laughs> hey, uh, hey, uh, J.J. Redick. Hmm. ESPN NBA analyst extraordinaire, Jay. Was on a terrific show this just in. You want to finish that sentence or no? No. All right. Handsome host. On who should be the next coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. Listen to this. I think Mark Jackson deserves another shot. And I don't know if that's who they've targeted, who's number one on their list. I'm, you know, there's tons of rumors about Doc Rivers and, and maybe leaving Philly and getting to the Lakers. But as of right now, for who's a real candidate, I like Mark. He likes, well, he said Mark Jackson. For some reason, we cut it off at Mark. But he meant Mark Jackson. Wasn't Mark Kestisher? It was Mark Jackson. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I mean, look, they are going to interview a lot of people. This comes down to who Jenny Buss and LeBron James and Phil Jackson think can unlock the Lakers while they also work on the personnel aspect of it. So this team lost a lot over the last couple of years, right? Uh, I got a chance to spend some time with Lionel Hollins down in Memphis when I was down there for an earlier series against Golden State. He's no longer on the staff. Uh, Jason Kidd is now the head coach of the Dallas Mavericks. It's been accounted for a multitude of times about how much LeBron James really respected Jason Kidd because of some of the offensive options he brought to the table, scheming-wise, that really helped them during their championship run. Ty Lue no longer. So there's a lot of pieces that are missing from the staff that I feel like they need, they've addressed, but it, they need to unlock some certain things now that Frank Vogel's no longer there. I do think what Mark Jackson was able to create in Golden State with Steph and with Clay, putting them on the right trajectory. It's like, you know, you see this a lot of times with companies. You'll see a CEO that is a founder slash CEO that founded the company, right? Um, that took the company to incredible heights, but couldn't get the company to the next level. Got them to a great level, but not the next level. And then they bring on a CEO, and he's more in a, the, the former CEO is more of in a chairman role, and that's when the company, boom, right? Like Under Armour happened with Kevin Plank to a degree. So I kind of look at that with Golden State with Steve Kerr, right? He comes on board after Mark Jackson, boom, finds it. I kind of feel like this is that learning sweet spot for Mark Jackson of his career, what he learned from Golden State, now to translate that to the Los Angeles Lakers. No one does a job for a long time. It doesn't change the way they do the job. You refine what you do. Of course, you learn. I originally thought, because Mark Jackson did a great job at getting Golden State to a certain level, but then it was like the fewest passes of any team in the NBA, so their offense was the slowest and not very efficient, et cetera, or not very, didn't put up a lot of points. And they felt they had to hire someone else to unlock the offense, even though he had clearly built it up and built the confidence up and the chemistry. And, and st- remember, modern basketball didn't exist, or postmodern basketball, whatever you want to call it, until, until Steph Curry came in the league and, and Draymond Green, right? And, and Mark Jackson built that up, and Steve Kerr took it to the next level. So Mark Jackson gets hung with this, like, this uh, label 
he gets he gets boxed with this label of like, yeah, he could develop you, but then you need. But there are lots of coaches like that in different. I think about Jason Kidd in the NBA in his first go round with Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Look at how good he is now because he learned obviously on the job and he was good then. I think of Buck Showalter in baseball. Well, Buck can't get you over the top. Well, maybe he can if you give him a chance, right? I think of Emmanuel Stewart, my former broadcast partner on HBO Boxing, who was in the conversation for greatest trainer of all time, but in his first super fight, by his own admission, made certain mistakes when he was the corner man for Tommy Hearns. So even the greatest of all time go through a learning curve, right? Go through a a, a learning period. And Mark Jackson, at this point, when you hear how many people play the game who want him as coach, it should tip you off, you know? He re- I there think are, he there should was, have another shot. There were a lot of things that, I mean, happen that you hear stories from players, um, you know, with Golden State about some of the things that were said. And honestly, I mean, look, a, a lot of people have gotten second chances for doing worse. Mm-hmm. I'll, you know, so at the end of the day, it's about inappropriate language. Can, or, or, yes. Yeah, yeah. Can you win games? Can you make the stars around you better Mm -hmm. and can you get people to buy into the culture that you establish if mark jackson can do those things and by the way it's not like you have time to do that in la you have to do that a year ago in la because they need to kind of reset the culture and find out i've been asking that question since the beginning of the season max i'm like who is this los angeles laker team are they a post-up team are they a transition team? Are they a team that's going to play with LeBron James on the pinch post? Like, what are they? And we still had questions when it was all said think, and done. I'm trying to think. As I said earlier, like, Michael Jordan became a very good passer in his career, especially as his career went on. But you never looked at him and thought he is touched in his passing. He is gifted beyond, like, a transcendent passing. Like LeBron James. Like, like LeBron James. Magic Johnson. Luka. Luka. Larry Bird. Mark Jackson was one of those guys. I'm not saying he's the same level of player as Jason Kidd, but Mark Jackson was one of those preternaturally gifted passers, right? Like LeBron. LeBron's never had a coach like that. Think about it. Has he ever had a coach who was that kind? Like Jason Kidd was that kind of guy. He was never the head coach of the Lakers. The the thing that I give Mark Jackson a lot of credit for, and it's something that Jason Kidd has always had, because I played a short stint with J.K., J.K. Me was too. one of the – what, do you play with NBA 2K? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I can see the relation. J.K. was one of the most verbal dudes on the sideline now. I'm talking about during practice while he's on the sideline watching me. Jay, cover two, go under, go under, go over, remember to play. Like, flare, flare. Like, he would be yelling schemes to me while on the sideline, and there's great footage of him in this last series where he's communicating as if he's on the damn floor about what Dallas is doing. Like, Dallas defensively has gotten a lot better throughout the course of these playoffs. Now, Mark Jackson has that same kind of vision. If him and LeBron James can be on the same page about that vision and how it's articulated, that's how I think you start building the right kind of championship culture. Especially when you think about the most successful pairings in coach, whether it's a manager in baseball, head coach in football, you know, basketball, and and star player, captain of the team type guy. Like, you, that guy as an extension of the coach is where you get dynasties. But also, you need – there needs to be healthy friction in confrontation. So, now you got – you and Keo always to joke justify, with me. You're trying to justify – No, 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 no. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to help you understand it, though. Coach K. So, you guys always joke around like Coach K and I got in a fight. But you know what that moment did for me? It made me realize this dude knows what the hell he's talking about. Mm. Wow. Like, he's challenging me to be that player in that moment, regardless of whether I had a bad game or not. I didn't see it in that moment. 
but, and I studied the game, right? Like, I learned the game. And I sometimes think for certain players, it takes you bringing somebody in who sees the game maybe as good or better than you, who is not afraid to tell you that they know they see the game as good or better than you. That you have to learn, oh, and it works. So for LeBron James, think about LeBron James has had personalities. He can run over to a degree. Didn't have that with Eric Spolster because you had Pat Riley. Yeah. Right? That he had the respect at the end of the day. You weren't just going to have your way. Who's going to be a guy that draws a line in the sand with LeBron and says, look, I know you've done it this way, but this way that I'm telling you right now, that's going to help you win championships. Ty Lue wasn't afraid to assert himself. No, he was not. But Ty Lue as a player, what I mean is like a perfect storm to me, theoretically, for LeBron James, would be that kind of personality who also saw the game. Like one of the things that Jason Kidd, he sees the game at genius level, point guard genius level. LeBron is like that. There are lots of great point guards who are super smart. But even Rondo, who's a great passer and known as a basketball genius, didn't give me the same feeling watching him pass as I think, oh, my God, super smart, right play, the whole thing. Oh, beautiful pass. But when, like, Jason Kidd passed, it just felt different to me. It felt. There's some guys like Magic, like Bird, like LeBron who are like that. And ideally, you'd have that kind of personality you described. Who, and Mark Jackson actually did. His court vision and his passing was like that. See, this is a game of many adjustments on the fly. Like, and that's what point guards do all day, every day. It's like doing your show. Like, recognizing, oh, this guy's not paying attention. Or, where's that project? Like, learning how to think quickly and pivot. And that's what you need to do in order to be successful because you have to see two or three plays ahead off what the defense is giving you. So there's that. And then, of course, Mark Jackson has had to wait a long time time for a second opportunity. Now, that's probably two things conspiring to, to, to make that happen. One is he didn't get them over the hump, but when Steve Kerr came along, they went from... Actually, this offense is slow. It's not scoring enough to, oh, my God, it's the greatest offense ever. So the, the jump made Mark Jackson look bad, right? And then secondly, there was a lot of reporting about paranoia and a kind of uh, insistence upon the way, like certain philosophies of life that you are kind of, uh, including religious beliefs that you're, that you're being kind of very upfront about in the locker room and, and where others may not, you know, on the team may not feel exactly the same way, but it's the head coach, Right. And so those two things, I think, conspired. Oh, uh, culture went bad after a time, too paranoid. Too, and, and also, oh, look how much better it was with Steve Kerr. But again, you can learn about how to taper back certain things that didn't work as well. And I would say, in ter- like, Steve Kerr used what See? Mark Jackson built up in Steph and Dre Agreed. to invent the modern NBA. What? Well, now it's existed. Mark Jackson has also seen all that and knows all that well, Max, now. Here, here's a different challenge it's going to be for Mark Jackson, who had issues with ownership and leadership with the Golden State Warriors, right? If you, go, if you decide to go into the Lakers situation, it is chaos. It feels like it's chaos between what you have with – Jeannie, even though she came out with the op-ed, and she, to me, she drew a line in the sand that says, this is not about Linda or Kurt Rambis, or as Alan Hahn refers to him, Rambi. This is not about LeBron James or Rich Paul, Rob Palenka, Phil Jackson. At the end of the day, it's about me having accountability and ownership. I appreciate that. Now, it's one thing to say that, whether that's actually practice behavior that hits the ground running by the time Mark Jackson takes his job, if he does, that's going to be the question. How he manages that is a huge added effect on top of how he's coaching the game. (laughs) 
right? Because do you get personnel decisions? Do you get say in personnel and who the team drafts, what moves they make? Like, do you feel like you're in unison with Rob Palenka and Jeannie Buss? Like, how many cooks are in the kitchen? So there's a lot of things for Mark Jackson to address if that's the job that they decide to give him or he decides to take. Keyshawn J. Willemax is presented by Progressive Insurance. Let's get back to game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. The kitchen sink is coming to Jason Tate. Jimmy Butler has gone against LeBron for a lot of years. He went against Kobe. He's gone against KD. He knows what it takes to stay in front of the top-tier guys in the league, and it's a challenge that he is very much looking forward to. I look for Bam Adebayo to be as electric as he was in the bubble. He's going to have to be that consistent second guy that Jimmy uh, can depend on. It's going to have to be Jalen Brown mixing it up inside and out, attacking the basket, and hitting his jump shot. All right, who better to ask about for their thoughts on the Eastern Conference Finals than the guy who's consistently underestimated the chances <laughs> of a team that there got all go. the way to Always the finals. Always setting it up that way. Two years ago. I don't like it. Yates, where's the lies, lies, Jay lies? Will. Lies, lies, Thank lies, you. and more lies. Every time he does it, Yates, make sure that people know the real truth. Hey, Yates, watch okay. this. I don't need to debate with yeah. Jay because he can debate with himself. Jay, have you been underestimating the Heat's chances? Have you been disrespecting them? Uh, underestimating is different than disrespect. Well, which one is it? Uh, underestimating, yes. Okay. Disrespecting. See, see how he We're just switched real quick? Let's be honest. The, the disrespect <laughs> oh, yeah. hasn't been. I don't been, need you to jump in this conversation. The disrespect has not been towards the Miami Heat. It's been just towards Jimmy Butler. He said Jimmy Butler's oh. not a one on a championship team, Ooh. and he is going to be proven wrong round after round. Oh, he might dunk on you, Jay. So, but this is the thing, though. It, it, you can't just correlate the disrespect to one player because the whole team looks at it that way. The franchise looks at it that way. When I say I don't think Jimmy Butler could be the best player on a championship team, they are a championship team. So I'm saying that I don't think they're going to win a championship, pretty much. Now, look, I think Jimmy Butler can. Do I have them winning the championship? No, I do not. Let me tell you I have the Boston Celtics okay. winning the championship. Hey, Monica. Monica McNutt is with us now. Hey, what Mon. do you think what about up, all this ESPN basketball analyst, former Georgetown guard? Part of ESPN radio coverage of the Eastern Conference Finals. Game one tonight, of course. Begins at 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN radio. Monica, what do you think about all this disrespect that Jay is giving uh, Jimmy Butler? Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, Jay, Jay, did you wake up and choose violence like some other folks on our network? (laughs) I I, I am not coming from that energy space from yesterday. No, I am not, Monica. (laughs) Um, Well, okay, what's your argument, Jay? That he just don't have enough around him? No, no, no. See, this is what Max does. He convolutes a conversation. I started off today and yesterday on our call. I just said, it, you know, it feels like this organization from top down, from Pat Riley, the championships he's won as a Hall of Fame coach and a Hall of Fame executive. East Bo, people always look over him because it's like, oh, it's easy to win a championship with LeBron, D-Wade, and Chris Bosh. I'm like, actually, it's not. It's hard as hell to manage those type of personalities. And then championship pedigree from Kyle Lowry to P.J. Tucker to Jimmy Butler and the fact that he's gotten them there, it feels like they are the most disrespected team in all of sport right now. That that was my point. Okay, I I agree. Okay, I will. The, the, here's what I here's where I am, y'all. If you wanted to tell me that your concerns around Miami are that they had an easiest path to this point, and can Jimmy Butler continue to average twenty eight point seven? I understand that. Hmm. Jay, I don't know that people get into the weeds of pedigree or even how great Spalestra is in this part of the season, right? Like, I think he and Steve Kerr have the same record in conference finals in terms of their success. Um, so I hear you on that. I think, I really think Jimmy Butler is on the cusp of doing something special. My concern in this matchup, though, is I do think the Celtics have a little bit more depth 
in terms of offensive we- weapons. I agree with you on that, but it, it's interesting, Monica, just with your initial take, right? And I, I've, I've been victim to it as well, where we end up talking about what Miami doesn't have or, well, look at what, who Miami had to go through. And it's interesting. Why isn't the conversation around – because, you know, having legs at this time of the season is so important, Monica, right? So mm-hmm. why, why isn't the conversation like, well, yeah, Miami went through Atlanta and they went through Philadelphia – but, man, if anything, like that saved them some legs for this series, whereas Boston has gone through Kevin Durant and Kyrie and Giannis as like a freight train. Like, will they have the legs for this series? We almost look at it like, well, that helped Boston, but it hurts Miami. Instead of saying, well, that helps Miami and hurts Boston. Yeah, I mean, and it's totally your preference. I'm inclined to agree with you because poor little Grant Williams is, might as well be black and blue after <laughs> that's what happened with game, after banging with Giannis. Um, I'm inclined to agree with you, especially because to me, he culture, whatever people feel that is, um, they're not a team that needs another squad to flip the switch, right? And so the idea of the Celtics maybe being battle tested and grizzly at this point maybe applies if you think that. I mean, technically they are a younger group in age, but they are experienced at this point in the season as well. And so for the Heat, I really don't think it matters who's in front of them. That's just the nature of that organization. Monica, do you think Jason Tatum has arrived as one of the greats in our game? Now, I don't say great for a lot of people. Maybe there's seven, eight greats in our game. Is he there yet? Um, I think he's very close. But uh, remember, last year we were having this conversation about Giannis he wasn't cemented until the deal was completely done. So, yes, Jason has given us some tremendous um, play so far in the playoffs. But if, he co- if they come up short versus Miami, I think uh, we end up waiting a little longer. Monica, in an evenly matched series, or relatively evenly matched, even if you believe the Celtics are deeper or whatever else, to not have Marcus Smart in game one, can that flip the series, do you think? How important is he? Um, I don't know. I don't know that game one will flip it, Max, but I think if he misses a significant amount of time in the series, so what's significant? You start getting two, three games, I do think that that's going to be problematic because he is so much of the identity of the Celtics, which since the turn of the calendar has been them as a phenomenal defensive unit. And so I just, yeah, man, like it's, it's not even just the stats. It is the personality and the character that that team takes when he's on the floor. I want to circle back to Butler for a second in the heat. It's my uh, contention, Monica, that I think one of the reasons people aren't picking the heat is because we have this in mind, and you mentioned depth and you're paying attention to detail, but most of us reduce it, probably because it's easier, right, to the story of a couple of players, especially the best player on a team. And because of the distance traveled for Jimmy Butler, the way his career started as a defensive stopper, et cetera, it feels like we don't believe he can be the best player on a championship team. And that's where, because we believe in Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra, and we know they're deep, we know they play defense. Do you think Jimmy Butler can be the best player on a championship team? I do. I do. And I think in this, now, if he does it with this group and Bam Adebayo doesn't um, kind of come to play. I think when they met in the bubble, he was the leading scorer, I believe, in the, ser- or in the series. Um, if he does it with this group without somebody emerging in terms of significant help, it will be very, very impressive. But I think what's underrated about Jimmy's game is how he can do multiple things so well. Like, Eric Spolestra has talked about him being their de facto point guard at point. Like, that's a big guard coming at you 
Um, and then I think his defensive identity is a lot of who he is. And so he's a guy to me that will run through the tape. There's nothing that he's not willing to do in order to win. And his teammates adore him. And that matters to me. I mean, think, think back, y'all. Like, even now the conversation is whether or not James Harden can get back. I have not heard sort of the praise around James Harden as a teammate that mm. I've heard around Jimmy Butler. And that kind of stuff matters, right? And then we just kind of look at the way that both of their careers have planned out. So I think Jimmy can be a one guy on a winning team, absolutely. Monica McNutt, ESPN basketball analyst, part of ESPN radio coverage of the Eastern Conference Finals. Game one tonight, of course, and coverage begins at 8 p.m. Eastern. Thank you, Monica. All right, cuz. Thanks, guys. Enjoy that weather down there in Miami, though. Enjoy that. I'm trying to enjoy that day between games day, you know. (laughs) Get on it, girl. I love it. Let me tell you my choice for the most disrespected team in sports. Who? The New York Yankees. That's right. What? Oh my no one picked them to win the World Series except me when this season started. You're what? wasting your breath. Are you believing, uh, beginning to believe that the great New York Yankees, the greatest team in the history of American team sports by far, is going to do it all this year? What? Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. Busta, what it is right now. Busta, hey, hey. So, um, uh-huh, uh-huh. Jay, the Yankees are on a roll, and a lot of it, like people are focusing on, you know, Stanton and Judge, and they're hitting the ball, and Kiner Falefa, I told everyone he might be a bigger deal than Donaldson in the offseason to play real good shortstop. He's had, he's had some hiccups at short, but he's a very good defensive player. And the defense is better Rizzo at first, and they have more left-handed power with Rizzo and Gallo, who've been struggling, but they can really pick it in the field, and they can hit from the left side. The Yankees have been missing that in recent years. They have guys who make contact, like LeMayhew, all that stuff, and they have an incredible bullpen. Everyone knows that. What's flying under the radar is the starting staff. Garrett Cole is a stone-cold ace, and so was Severino before he got hurt, and he's rounding back into form. And then they come up with Nestor Cortez, a lefty, little 5'11 lefty um, journeyman, 
who was excellent last year in 22 games, 14 starts. He had a 2-9 ERA, and he's been outstanding this season. Buster Olney, ESPN Baseball Insider, and then I hear about Nestor Cortez, Buster, that he had to delete, he had to get off social media because tweets from when he was 17 had surfaced, and it was unclear to me because it was called racist, but was he, was he using inappropriate language in a way that is not meant to be racist, but is it kind of like youth culture language, or was he, was he doing it in a way that, that suggests you know, racist language? Yeah, and I'm not <laughs> – look, I, I, I mean, he, he used in those tweets words that uh, I don't think most people would use. Um, you know, he was right yesterday to own it. I don't think there's any excuse for it. Um, and, and it's good that he, he moved on. Uh, and I'm sure that, you know, as was described, and I'm not down in Baltimore, but as was described by reporters who cover the team, it was. Buster, you're cutting out. We, 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 while he was, we missed the last thing you said, as it was described by reporters who cover the team in Baltimore, what? That he, it wasn't like they struggled to find him yesterday. He was waiting for reporters when the clubhouse doors opened because he knew he had to address this. He owned it. He talked about, you know, those tweets as being things that, uh, you know, he feels like doesn't represent how he thinks now, uh, you know, 10 years later. Buster, I'm curious, how important do you deem Cortez to be to the Yankees' success so far this season? Well, he's a, he's a big part of it. Um, you know, he's one, as, as Max said, the starting pitching has been excellent. Uh, when you're talking about Luis Severino, finally healthy. Jamison Tyone has been good, you know, backed by that bullpen. Nestor Cortez, and Max, I think you'll – I've thought a lot about why Nestor Cortez is emerging now, and I think it has a lot to do with the evolution of baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, the guy who threw really hard, 96 to 98 miles per hour, that guy was the outlier. And then all of a sudden, everybody in baseball focused on, look, we need to throw as hard as we can. And all the pitchers coming up throw 98 to 100. And hitters began to adjust their training to catch up to velocity. Well, you know what? All of a sudden, you don't have as many guys who throw from different angles, who change speed, 100%. who move the ball consistently. And now... That guy, you know, like a Nestor Cortez is the outlier. I was talking about this last year with Rich Hill, the Met, uh, the uh, Red Sox pitcher who likes to, you know, drop down and throw from the side. He said they don't see that anymore. And so Nestor Cortez, not only is he terrific in terms of his command, but he's the outlier. He's the type of pitcher that guys don't see anymore. Buster, I had this theory about Chin Ming Wong back in the day, the Yankees right-handed hard-throwing sinker baller who barely struck anyone out, and that was a recipe for a short career or not a lot of success. But the league had changed where everyone was a three-true-outcomes hitter, right? They struck out, walk, and hit home runs. And since he pitched to contact, he would reduce the Jim Tomies of the world to guys they weren't, right? Hitting ground balls in the infield. And so he had success. What works is not constant. It depends on the league around you. And I think that's really good analysis of Nestor Cortez. Meantime, Yankees do have the best record in baseball. Are they the best team you've seen this so far this season? Uh, so far, yes. Because let's face it, in, in recent years, what's always been the biggest question about the Yankees? Can they stay healthy? Can Judge stay on the field? Can Stan stay on the field? The answer so far is yes. Their bullpen is the best in baseball. You, you know, we've talked about the rotation. 
the lineup has been excellent. Judge clearly on a mission, uh, you know, playing great, you know, doing well in his free agent year. Stanton has turned a corner. You know, you talk to teammates about Stanton and how, you know, he worked through all those years when he was getting booed at Yankee Stadium, and now you know, he, he, they all talk about uh, how he's grown as a player. Those guys are all rolling. You know, we'll see. At some point, like with all teams, they'll have to deal with injuries, and we'll see how aggressive they are in, in fixing holes before we get to the trade deadline. Um, the Angels, meantime have had their best season in a long time. Mike Trout is doing his same old thing, right? Maybe the best player ever. I mean, if you're the best player every year at your age or one of the two or three, and you're, now you're 30, at a certain point you go, I may be the best player ever. Are they for real? There's no doubt they're for real. It's the deepest team that Trout has played on uh, as a big leaguer. You know, we've all wondered, you know, when can the Angels get back to the postseason to get Trout on the big stage? Well, this is the type of team you're going to have where you have more depth. And some of that... Uh, like Reed Detmers, who threw the no-hitter last week, you know, someone who was drafted by Billy Epler before Epler was let go by the organization, 22-year-old, he stepped up. You know, the investments in the bullpen in the offseason, <clears throat> those have paid off. You know, Noah Syndergaard had a bad game last night, but before that he was better. It's just a much deeper team. In the past, it's always felt like, you know, the Angels are very top-heavy. You had Trout, maybe two or three other guys who could be good players, not a lot of depth. This team, this year's team, much better in terms of that. And I expect that all year the Astros and the Angels would be battling it out for the top of the American League West. Buster, we got about a minute left. The MLB trade deadline is about 10 weeks away. I'm curious to hear from you. What team should we be looking at to make moves as we get closer? The most interesting team, no question, the Boston Red Sox, because they've got off this terrible start. They're way behind, you know, the Yankees being the hottest team in baseball. And everybody with other teams is wondering, would they actually put the for sale sign out and trade Xander Bogarts? Would they deal some of the pitchers they have, Nathan Evaldi and others, and become a big source uh, for other teams in terms of trade? They've done it before under this ownership. John Lester, for example, being traded. You know, Andrew Miller one year was being traded. And the expectation is if they don't turn around the next two months, yes, they will be open to taking offers for guys like Xander Bogarts. Mm. Buster, the who, who, so who are some of the biggest players that will be available at the deadline, which is coming up in about 10 weeks? The name everybody's talking about uh, and wondering is if he's going to be available. The guy to watch is Juan Soto of the Nationals. Look, he's mm. two and a half years oh. from free agency, but here's the thing. You can hit uh, The Nationals have tried to sign him, okay, and they haven't been able to get a contract. And so the question among other teams is, look, is this the time to sell him? Because, remember, the, the franchise is up for sale. Will the incoming owners uh, go to the, the Lerner family and say, look, you guys need to be the ones to be the bad guys to make this trade. He's a Scott Boris client. He's not going to sign a long-term deal. So when is the best try- time for the Nationals to trade Juan Soto? <laughs> Can you imagine the bidding war for him? He would be the best young player traded since Babe Ruth. I mean, he's he he's 23 now. He's been in the league five years. He has a lifetime on base of 428, and he's slugging almost 550 for his career, and he's 23 years old. That is Buster only, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks, as always, Buster. All right, Buster Bus. Thanks, guys. Take got care. It. Got it, brother. So game one of the Eastern Conference Finals, and uh, the top seed 
Are they getting disrespected by Jay Will? Oh, the, see, what? After Jay like has this from a I don't like these narratives. It will not happen on my watch. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. Sean, Jay Will, and Max, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Oh, Max, I've been getting a lot of stuff online today. Yeah, you look like uh, you're dressed like Debo. Well, well, they call me Weebo, which (laughs) I'm Debo's little brother. But I I kind of get the looks. Uh, but it's just another black guy with a bald head, and we have. No, but you also come on, man. Similar. You got the no. you got the lumberjack, the blue. It's not buttoned a, it's up a, to the collar, it's man. It's an APC shirt. It's yeah, a yeah. Dope but shirt. It's but a cool still, shirt. you know, you know, you know what I'm saying. It's the, I get it's it. The Debo look. It's my MVP, punk. That's all I'm trying to say. When you disrespect <laughs> Stephen Curry, I'm going to say it's my MVP. Really? Since you, since you try to chop Wait, him down. Really? Because you don't have I any gotta be like finals MVP. Debo with you, like yo, we're going to keep Steph in my house. It'll be both of ours. You know what? It was going to be his MVP. And, and LeBron me. came and snatched it right off his neck. I want Igwa. Can I ask you a, a real question? Go ahead. In that moment, yeah. When you said, "I got Igwa Dollar," yeah. There it was. Did you really believe the it? The funny thing is, everyone knows I'm right. Everyone knows I'm what? right. What? I didn't say get your own shot, see, or he's a better shooter. I'm saying with the chips on the line. See, this is what happens to look. me. This is what happens to me. Iguodala has hit world. big shot after big shot. Steph has often missed when it mattered most. This is me We're in, not taking the in shot. In my work career, when I come out and I say, I don't think Jimmy Butler could be a number one guy. And I, I got, see, disrespecting I quickly, Jimmy Butler. I own it. Mark I own the tape. It. No, yeah. I was wrong. Well, I, I own the wrong. Tom Brady thing. Well, you, you had to because he won a Super Bowl. Yeah, and I don't have to with Steph, right? Why is that? Oh, 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 my goodness. Oh. Yeah, how's, how's, how's uh, Iggy's career right now as it relates what? to big shots? It would, I, I'm just curious if you've, actually, seen that, you know what? if you've seen that same trajectory since you made that If you comment. had a good three seconds with a look at the basket, but they knew that the I'm title was on the Stephen line. Curry, not Iguodala. Iguodala. Oh, Here, here's the question God. I ask. Stop. Here's the question I ask. Like Peyton Manning, some athletes perform consistently under their normal standards when it matters most. People saw that with A-Rod for years in the playoffs with the Yankees. And now, if you're a great player, eventually you're going to come through, right? But generally, Peyton Manning was generally not as good as in the regular season. Then there are other guys who, no matter what their regular season standard is, they elevate in the playoffs. Michael Jordan, Mariano Rivera. Steph Curry is in the former category. He sets an all-time great regular season standard that diminishes greatly Late in the playoffs. I mean, what, am I lying? Uh, well, does the standard elevate for Andre Iguodala? Yeah. How? Yeah. When it matters most, Iguodala's clutch. What shots has he made that are clutch? Oh, I are you asking, kidding? I, well, you, you say it like it's like it's this blanket statement. Jay, I'm asking ask you for any exact- Yankees, Ask any Yankees fan who they would rather see in the clutch in their primes. Alex Rodriguez, bases loaded in the playoffs, or Luis Soho. They would take Soho. 
he wasn't nearly the player A-Rod is, but when it mattered, you, you trusted him more. I can't even talk to you. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max. Evan, has uh, Jay disrespected the Heat? All year. Oh, my. You were on this show saying that first Jimmy off, Butler. First off, lower your tone when you talk to me. Don't you yell at me in public. Mr. Jay Williams, you were on this show, sir, talking about how, how Jimmy Butler, uh, Mr. Jimmy Butler, was not a, a number one and that the Heat could not win a championship. I didn't say they With couldn't Jimmy win. Biller, the best scrub. Player. I didn't say they couldn't win. Oh, no, you didn't? Well, wait, wait, let me ask you a question, Evan. Are you picking them to win the title? Hey! Then shut your mouth! Sean J. Willemax, presented by Progressive Insurance. You know what occurs to me about the whole Jimmy Butler thing, though? Evan can do that voice. You think he can repeat that voice again, Evan? What's he doing the voice? Mr. Jimmy Butler and Mr. J. Williams. What is it, an eight-year-old kid calling into the show? What is happening? You know what occurs to me about the Jimmy Butler thing? You told me to speak to you with more respect, so I'm speaking with more I'm trying to make a very profound point. No fun. I'm making a profound sports point. Yes, I got it. Max, hot takes. Here it comes. I'm ready. So... In boxing, this happens a lot. One dude is avoided, right? Uh-huh. So just out of righteousness, people stand up and say, yo, he deserves a title shot. He deserves it. So they talk, hey, you're the champ is ducking him. Then when it comes time to pick the fight, everyone picks the champ, <laughs> right? Because they just are doing it as an exercise in righteousness, not because they really believe he can win. But you know what the problem is? Sometimes the fight gets made, and Vernon Forrest beats Shane Mosley and wins the title, Right. It's not just an exercise. There's a reason you have to exercise the righteousness because there's a chance that, in fact, the guy you don't think is going to win, he's earned it, he deserves his shot. That's Jimmy Butler. None of us really believe that he is the best player on a championship team. That's why when push comes to shove, we don't pick him to win the title. Now it's up to him. Go get it, Jimmy. Go get well, it. It's not only that. It's the fact that what a brilliant at times – Interesting. You know, look, Deep. Are, are you patting yourself on the back? Sometimes the if you don't blow you your made? own horn, there's no music. Well, there's not going to be any music Damn. on this show. What? Only you. I love it. Oh, the soliloquies are next level. Yeah. There you go. I'm a hustler, baby. That's it. So oh, the only thing I'm going to say that sometimes makes me, it, it's that, Max, in conjunction with, at times, dude, for as much as Miami clamps you up defensively, mm-hmm. they have these scoring droughts where you wonder, like, how long are those defensive clamps sustainable when you have pockets within games? where it just seems like it's difficult for you to score. Yeah. And when you start facing higher-level competition, like the Boston Celtics, that have Jason Tatum that can go off, that have Jalen Brown that It's can not go like off. they don't have guys on the rock. Like, Duncan Robbins can shoot the lights yeah, out. Yeah, if but he gets on the court, if he's not being targeted as a liability defensively, which yeah. you saw last They don't last have it series. wrapped up. Like in Jaylen, Tyler Hero hasn't been himself, no. himself either now at the same level in he was. Jalen Brown season. and Jason Tatum, you have two stars who are two-way players it's all wrapped up in the same package. You don't have to take them off the floor. They can shoot. They can do everything. 
and the the Heat have a lot of players who can do certain things very well, but then not other things well, so you can exploit them in certain I'm, ways. I'm going back to my point that I made all day today. One of the things that you will not hear on any other show mm-hmm. is people talk about sometimes when you play big-time competition, you're, the only one. your legs get heavy late in the playoffs, man. Oh, They get heavy. So we're talking about Jason Tatum being one of the best two-way players in the game. What happens when you play a lot of games against the KDs, against the Kyries, against the Giannis's over time, you get to a certain point where you don't have those same legs anymore. Does that affect him on the offensive end? Does that take away from some of his firepower? Marcus Smart has an injury. How is that going to factor in? And I'm looking at the Miami Heat saying, yes, they've had defensive problems against Trey Young and company. They made him look like a little kid, mm-hmm. right? Yes, the next round, Joel Embiid not there. They made James Harden. They smothered him. I feel like their legs are fresh. That is a major advantage for the Heat that I guarantee you nobody is talking about right now. They also don't have a player on that team. While they have two, like, to me, my favorite is a two-way wing. If you have two of those guys, I love your chances, and the Celtics have two of those guys. The question is how highly pitched is the the talent and skill? Jason Tatum, very high, and Brown also high, and it may come down to just how high can Brown go, right? But they don't have, while Marcus Smart is a tremendous player, they don't have the – primary ball handler guy who can get his own shot whenever he wants, shoot the lights out. Like, that is not a guy on the Celtics. And I wonder if that can be exploited in some way. Jason Tatum can get a shot whenever he wants. He can, but he's not a, he's not a primary ball handler. Yeah, but I feel like at this point, like when I watch M.A. Udoka, there are schemes. It's almost like there's not a – even though know, Draymond Green is a great assist player, their schemes are set up because there's so much action – they still get a lot of assists off their You're not going to deny them the ball anyway, right? Exactly. Yeah. And like, yeah. they make the right reads. Like, this is high, high-level basketball IQ that we're going to see between these two coaching strategies. Emi Udoka, who just coached with the Brooklyn Nets the year before, he knows how to attack big wings. He's done it with KD. He's done it with Giannis. He'll try to do it again with Jimmy Butler. And then you have Eric Spostra, who, by the way, is one of the all-time best at making the micro-adjustments throughout the course of games, and the discipline is the word that Pat Bev had for Jimmy Butler. That's for the whole team, though. The discipline by a team, their ability to adjust and all be on the same page is also something that is extremely underrated about how good the Miami Heat are defensively. You know, when you look at this matchup, another reason you might like the Celtics, and Udoka's been incredible as a, as a, as a young head coach, Spolstra has a very good argument that he is the best head coach in basketball. Yes. And the difference between Spolstra and Yudoka is his experience. Yes. He is a very – Spolstra is a very experienced head coach in the championship I'll give you an level. example of that. The play, I think it was in game, game five in which Boston lost, right? Um, literally, Giannis was on the ball. The play – you know that play where Marcus Smart got the ball blocked by Drew Holiday? Mm-hmm. Of course. The play was designed on the opposite end. Al Horford came for a down screen on Jason Tatum. Mm-hmm. I don't think Emi Adoka accounted for the size and the length about where the ball was positioned on the sideline out of bounds for how long Giannis was. Because there was no way that ball was going to get across. It had, to be, it had to be pitched down to the short corner, right, which perfectly set Mar- Marcus Smart to make the right read. But if you have experience in that moment, you're saying, okay, they're going to put Giannis on the ball to deter passing lanes. There's no way I can get a skip pass over Giannis to the opposite side of the court. I have to put Jason Tatum in that short corner so he can make that read. Those are the slight, subtle adjustments. Now, they still won a series, 
But you think about it, that series could have been flipped the other way. Yeah, and if they had Chris Middleton, I'd say probably right? would have. So those are the kind of things where micro adjustments and having the, the calm, the poise, to be like, yo, I, I know exactly By what the way, to it's do a, in and, these and, moments. Listen, these things are probabilistic, right? I, although I do think that the NBA, one of the reasons it's so fun to watch, on the one hand, like the NFL playoffs seem less predictable, and that adds to the excitement of March Madness, one and done. The NBA, um, usually the best team wins, and we think of it as deterministic. If you have equally matched teams, the team with the best player wins the whole thing. It's not exactly that way, but a lot of times it feels like it's that way. And, um, of course, there's a probabilistic nature to it, too. You get a little lucky with injury, whatever. The ball bounces in. It doesn't bounce in. I'm not saying that Udoka can't win or even outcoach Spolstra. It's possible. After all, there's always a time where a, a first-year head coach or a coach who had not been to the finals before wins a championship, and sometimes that occurs against the coach who has won finals before. So it's possible. But when we're handicapping the series, we're, we're saying, but what's more likely? And I think my guess would be in those moments, Spolstra is a little better prepared because of the experience. What, Evan, what's the spread for tonight? You know? you know what the line is? I think Miami wins tonight. I think Miami gets the first one at home. I really do. Um, I, I think especially the, the no quick, Marcus Smart, the, the quick turnaround too. Like Celtics Miami played a seven-game series. Heat played a six-game series. Celtics are on the road. Heat are at home. Celtics are playing down Marcus Smart, although the Heat are playing with Kyle Lowry, you know, hurt. So, uh, but it does seem like the Heat, heat have the advantage. Favorite, which will, puts pressure on them the, to win. By the I will way, take, I will take the Heat to cover tonight. Now. It does put pressure on them. You don't want to lose this game if the Celtics are down. Marcus, there's pressure on everybody, man. I'm saying special pressure. Special pressure. (laughs) He's John J. Willemax, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, back tomorrow, 6 a.m. Eastern. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn J. Willemax, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about Electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus. Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L E C T R I C ebikes.com.